Welcome to the Real Pill Podcast. This is your host and writer for your entertainment corner, Kelsey Loizel. And with me today is my co-host. Managing editor and writer at ScreenGeek.net. You are very squeaky. You're like, I'm a drinker. How you doing today, Kelsey? You know what I have to say about that? What? My brother always makes me wear this stupid mask. Do you know why? Why? Because I'm prettier than him. I told you. I told you. If that quote wasn't spot on, you'd be fired. And I'm I'm sorry to say that you're not fired. (laughs) (laughs) You bought yourself another two episodes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Real Appeal, two E's in real, and you can email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. I don't know why I have my business voice on today. <laughs> you know, but you could do those things. Um, if you could, please review us on iTunes, and then we'll get noticed. And our segments for this week's show, our recent review of X... Our variety time, seeing red for turning red. That was a, I did not read that before I started right <laughs> before I started talking, so I was like, what am I reading that wrong? <laughs> and our geriatric cinematic is Taurus Trap, which came out in one nine seven eight nine. <laughs> <laughs> did I put it like that? Yes. <laughs> yes, in the year one nine seven eight nine. They're fixed. <laughs> I know it was 1979. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. You know what? I was gonna pay you a compliment, but now I'm not gonna say it. What's the compliment? Well, because your you know your quote saying, um, you know, you know why I, my brother wear, makes me wear this mask because I'm prettier than him. I was gonna mm-hmm. say yes, you are prettier than him, but I'm not gonna say that now. You just did. So thanks. <laughs> no one heard that. Not even you. <laughs> What's the tarp tarpic? <laughs> You mean, what's the topic, Kelsey? If you weren't so pretty, you would have gotten that. <laughs> no, I definitely meant... What's the topic? <laughs> Why Kelsey's going through a laughing fit. <laughs> the topic. It's let's have a slashing good time. <laughs> I don't think we've ever. Got, I don't think we've ever got you recorded laughing that hard. Like normally, I'm the one fucking dying. <laughs> I'm not so recording either. We're getting this all. We're getting all this. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. that the topic is. God, I'm seeing tears come up. <laughs> the topic is fitting. You know why? Why? <laughs> oh my God. Is it that funny that, <laughs> that she can't even say it? No. Because mm-hmm. um, I pretty much just slashed myself. I slayed. <laughs> oh my God. 
<laughs> I could cut that part out. No, you're not. I'm not going to, no. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry for all that laughing. Oh, my God. No, no, it's good. I like it. <laughs> for once, if for once you're dying on the mic instead of me. Yeah, but the difference is you can stop yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the terpic. <laughs> I think I'm just going to change that now. I think instead of like topic, I'm just going to say terpic now. Just make that a regular thing. <laughs> so the yeah, terpic. Well, what's <laughs> what's <laughs> It wasn't even terpic. It was. What was it? (laughs) Take a moment. Take a moment. Take a moment. I'll make sure there's no dead air. I. (laughs) Take a moment. Take a breather. There. Tarpic? I like terpic better. (laughs) Tarpic. Tarpic. But I said it like I was half like having a stroke. So it didn't sound like terpic. I know. You had like a mini stroke right on. (sighs) Right on a hot mic. Yeah. I did. (laughs) I'm wheezing too. Oh my God. Um, You good? All right. I had a story I was going to tell about work today, but I'm not even going to bother with that. (laughs) I think. Why uh, not? Hmm? Why not? Because it's in no way as funny as the shit you just pulled right now. <laughs> oh man, fine. You want me to introduce the next segment? Why you catch a catch a deep breath? No, I think if I focus on it, it'll be good. <laughs> okay. Just don't remind me what I just just happened. Okay. Like, boom, out of my head. All right, out of your head. All right, take that turpic out of your head. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> All right, good <so>, turpic. <laughs> the turpic. Um, <laughs> All right, so what are, what are we doing next? Tarpic kind of sounds like a. It kind of mm. sounds like like a redneck way of saying topic. Yeah, that's why I keep saying it. <laughs> it sounds just like that. The what's, what, what's the tarpic they got over there in Fox News today? <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Our next segment. Mm-hmm. As we just got out of the the, the laughing segment. <laughs> Our, <did laughs> you, here, I'll bring it in. I'll bring it in. Okay. Did you hear that? <laughs> no, I didn't hear it. No. Okay. So what we're going to get into now is our recent review of A24's X. Farmer's daughter, take one. I need to be famous, Wayne. All the best people are. There ain't nobody else out there like you. You know why? Why? Because you got that X Factor. Our days of struggling may soon be over. Hollywood, here we come. I just want to Oh, this is it. Our own studio backlog. You're looking for a place to stay. Oh, yes, sir. That's one ugly song, bitch. And my wife, Pearl, is next door. So I would appreciate a little discretion. I just want He don't know what we're doing, does he? Well, it's better to beg for forgiveness and ask for permission. Would you like to come inside? What's the boss? I want to be in the movie. Well, you can't. The story can't just change midway through. The synopsis is 
1979, a group of young filmmakers set out to make an adult film in rural Texas. But when their reclusive elderly hosts catch them in the act, the cast finds themselves fighting for their lives. Directed and written by Ty West. His stars Mia Goth, Jenna Ortega, Brittany Snow, Kid Cudi, and Martin Henderson. What? You want to tell them? What, <laughs> you want to tell them what the thing I didn't I didn't hear? Oh, the thing you didn't hear? Yeah. The the thing, that, my shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, because you're like, no, don't talk about that, and you didn't I, have no idea what I was talking about. I I, so I had like, an idea, but I'm glad it was just your shoulder that popped because you're laughing so hard. Yeah, it was because I <laughs> when I went like the, um put my shoulder forward. Uh-huh. <clears throat> it was my shoulder popped. So you're so we're you can say that you were. Pop a lockin' while crack a lackin'. That was probably one of the whitest jokes I think I've heard you say. Yeah. White has no color. Well, it has all the colors. <laughs> it's lacking color. <laughs> um, yeah, white is all the colors. Ew, hell no. <clears throat> uh, Alright, so uh, Ty West's ex. Um, God, I completely forgot this. Was, I completely forgot this was on my radar until Kelsey was like, "Oh, we gotta watch this instead." I'm like, oh, "Okay, oh, all right." Because <laughs> it's 24. Yeah. And we were watching when we went to go see it. Mm-hmm. Like a majority of the trailers are all a 24. Yeah, that's how it normally is. No. Uh, there's usually a lot of focus features. Hmm. Um, and then there's something not universal because that's usually more like summertime, but and like, that's, and that's well, I think I, if I remember correctly, like <clears throat> during when it's like A24 or when it's more independent films, like A24 or Focus Features, Focus Features, somewhat of independent, you see what they got lined up, and A24 has a, a ton of stuff lined up, so it makes sense why we would see uh, what we saw like men, uh, the trailer for men, and then everything, everything everywhere all at once or something like mm-hmm. that and i figured it wasn't like another trailer nope but that was monkey paw yeah but that's in conjunction with a24 is it yeah i think they're teamed i think uh monkey paw teamed up with that mm. okay besides the point uh kelsey what did you think of x you know i'm playing like exhibit songs in my head but i can't get it out because all <laughs> i can hear is the song but i really don't know what the fuck he's saying but just imagine that song right x now. gonna give it to you yeah there you go i, I just thought about it right before you said it that's dmx yeah no you, you said exhibit i meant dmx <laughs> yeah sure these black guys look alike no, no, <laughs> yeah, I'm joking. they all look alike all their music sounds alike <clears throat> they all talk alike oh god you can stop it girl stop playing around <laughs> Um, this movie. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Did you? Really? Yeah, it was kind mm-hmm. of a slow burn, right? Like, mm-hmm. the slasher, there are different kinds of slasher movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's different, I would say every decade has a different, well, the slasher genre kind of, if I remember correctly, started in the <laughs> 70s, in the early 70s. Um and you can you can tell a, a significant difference between slasher films from the seventies and then the eighties and the nineties mm-hmm. and two thousand. You can you can almost pinpoint like this is this decade when it comes to like slasher films. Gotcha. I don't mean just in decade, but I mm-hmm. mean in like pacing, mm-hmm. um, how much they really want to focus on the story. Mm-hmm. This one has like a really deep aspect to it. Okay. 
which is like ageism. Ah, okay. Okay. All right. All right. I see that. Totally see that. I totally see that. And that's one of the things that is near and dear to my heart because it's a fear of mine. I'm not afraid to get old. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of other people viewing me as old. Oh, okay. Or um, my life going by, mm-hmm. which I'm doing a really good job thanks to you. No, that's not going to fucking happen, but... Wait, wait, what do you mean? My life not just getting away from me. Like, oh, oh, like, like you're not... Enjoy, I oh. got divorced and I'm fucking enjoying my life now. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. I thought you were like, this is why I'm like this, Mark, and I blame you for yeah, that. Yeah, totally would yeah. do that on the podcast. It's totally the right... I was going to tell you that later. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, fuck. <laughs> okay, from this point on, we don't stop recording. Ever. Ever. <laughs> um, uh, you were almost out of uh, room on your disc there, sir. So. Oh, yeah, that's why I cleared some of it out. <laughs> Um, okay, so you're, so ageism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I got that sense while watching this movie. It was the horrors of, of becoming older, of becoming old and being looked upon as, like, the past generation or the forgotten generation or whatever like that. I think, I think no matter what age you get to, you're always going to be seen as old. You can be in your 20s and a teenager will think that you're old. Or you can be... Barely turn eighteen, and a eight year old will be like, "You're old." Mm. Like, like this is gonna happen, like regardless what age you hit. I'm lucky. How do you mean? My kids are not like that. Oh, they don't view you as old. They, they no, because mm. we talk about it sometimes, and they're like, and they bring it up. They're yeah. like, "You're cool, mom." Like Cameron told me like two weeks ago, "Mom, you're cool." She's just trying to get on your good side. No, she's not. <laughs> no, I get you. <laughs> well, my daughter, she she just views me as weird. And where's the problem with that? None. I'd rather be weird than old. You are weird. Yeah. In a good way. Weird old man with the grays and oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Weird old man does not sound creepy. Oh, yeah. Hey, kids. <laughs> you want to hop on the PS4? I will not name names with someone at work. Oh, you tell me about <laughs> that. looks like him. Tell me about that. You tell me about that. <laughs> um, okay, so go on. Go on. About uh, your, 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 um, uh, your discussion into the ages of... So not only is it about other people people viewing them as old, but I mm-hmm. think that they're also like they haven't come to the come to terms with the fact that they're also old. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the other thing. Like I don't want to get crotchety. Yeah. Either. And I and I think <clears throat> I think with this film, um, the character of Maxine and Pearl they're played by Mia Goth and. Um, I mean, that's not a spoiler at all. It's in the IMDb credits, you know. But, like, the makeup is done so well that I didn't think it was her. I didn't think it was the same actress, um, especially how the way it was shot. But the thing you were saying about um, ageism being, like, the focus of this movie or the horror of old age, it really... What the fuck? What? I didn't know that was her. I didn't know either. I like I didn't like I didn't know either until like I looked at the IMDb. I was like, holy shit, that was the same actress, and it and it's just that amazing. You just said it with no feeling at all. You're just like, yeah, I played the same person. I looked her up. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. You don't understand. That's amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, th- her yeah. makeup really wasn't done well enough for her to just look like an old person. Well, see, that's the thing. I didn't think it was me. But no, I did I, not I, think it was her. I, I thought know. it was like maybe a 50-year-old woman playing like a 75-year-old or 80-year-old yeah. woman. Yeah, or just like some younger actress <clears throat> with all the older makeup just so they can do, just so that character can be a bit more physical, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I think the fact that like, 
the Mia Goth, Mia Goth playing dual roles, it kind of has this deeper meaning of her seeing her reflection. Uh, the me, the Maxine character seeing the reflection and seeing her reflection in Pearl, or seeing or Pearl seeing Maxine and thinking I was like that. I was that beautiful. I was that attractive. You know, mm-hmm. men, uh, men fawned over me and stuff like that. <clears throat> but here I am with this old busted Howard fucker. You know, who became my husband and shit <laughs> like that. Um, kind of like I don't made her. I don't know. Eventually, like made her snap. I mean, mm-hmm. the character snap, you know. Yeah. Um, so, like, performance-wise, I think, like, Mia Goth, Mia Goth fucking killed it. Yeah. Absolutely totally. fucking killed it. I agree. I'm just thinking. She, mm-hmm. I saw, <clears throat> when I looked her up real quick, she mm-hmm. is Brazilian-American. Yeah, that's on par. That's on par with, uh, what's her face that I love? Uh, um, Queen's Gambit. Oh, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy? Mm-hmm. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Isn't okay. she from Brazil, too? I think so. I know that, um, I know there, I, I know that there's, uh, like, a ton of Brazilian women out there who look like that. They, they, oh, they no, look, Argentina. Argentina. But that's still, like, in the same region, right? Brazil yeah. And Argentina. Mm-hmm. Um, another person that, like, I completely was just like, holy shit, it's that dude. It's fucking Kid Cudi. <clears throat> I didn't recognize him at all. I didn't recognize Kid Cudi either. And that's the thing. Kid Cudi, all he wears is like a fro and he has like a thicker mustache. But mm-hmm. something about him, the way how he's kind of carrying himself and like his his like body movement and stuff like that really fit that time of the 70s and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That like I I kept, I, like, I kept confusing <clears throat> him with another actor who was, uh, his, his name escapes me right now, but he's obviously, he's actually like an old actor. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking like, oh, they got that one dude to play this character. Okay, that's cool. And then I realized, and I saw the credits, I'm like, oh, fuck, it's Kid Cudi. Fuck, I didn't realize that. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, what do you think about the guy, uh, his name is uh, Steven Ure, who played Howard. Howard was the husband. Did they put makeup on him too? Yeah. I think his makeup was a <clears throat> bit more obvious. I feel like hers was more obvious. Really? I think with him, I think the scalp, mm-hmm. they didn't get the scalp right. Mm-hmm. But with her, I totally could tell it was all fake. I I think I don't know. I think the the, the makeup on Mia Goth was a lot better than <coughs> on uh, Stephen Aaron. Um, and I thought he did a good job as playing an old person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't feel like I saw a lot of him anyway. Really? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, he was more of the um, I guess you say he was more of the blunt object, while Pearl was more of the uh, the silent killer type yeah. type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially how like the movie kind of like really focuses on her character, and it doesn't like and like this this goes a credit to like Ty West's directing. His like his horror director is like fucking phenomenal. Is that he gets you into the psychology of the character without mm-hmm. having to like spell that shit out. Mm-hmm. Um, That's which, why I like it. Yeah, which which I think is like true form of like seventy style seventies era slasher horror film. Mm-hmm. You know, you get the you get the 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 killer who's always around who's most likely always around the corner. Um, and you kind of have an understanding, you have a more of an understanding of the character with like so little words. Like his movie, like the house of uh, the house of the devil, 2009, great fucking film. Creepy ass shit. Mm-hmm. It's that, uh, that is very seventies <clears throat> Italian, uh, British, like haunted horror devil worshiping type deal. Mm. Um, what's your, t- what's your opinion on his directing? I really liked his directing. He mm-hmm. did a great job with like the different scene like compositions. Mm-hmm. 
one thing that I really enjoyed was his focus on each of, like you said, their psychology, because it wasn't just about the older the older couple, mm-hmm. and it also wasn't only about these people who are just going out to make a, a porno. Yeah. Like, it wasn't that um, shallow. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it was, but <clears throat> even, like, there's one character that makes a change, like, has a change of heart. Oh, yeah, I know, I know which one you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, there's another character that is always going to be the same person, no matter how mu- how long that person lives. Mm-hmm. Like, you talking about the director? Mm-hmm. I thought. <laughs> well, was he the director? The guy with the long hair, the with the mm. glasses. No, the um. Oh, the producer, the, the one who's more like a pimp. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah, and like, I mean, not just. Oh, I gotta say that for I gotta say that for the spoiler section because I, I want to talk about the discussion that the director and the producer have with each other. Oh yeah, outside house we gotta have that discussion because I was just like, oh fuck. Well, I'm totally and and the other the one I mentioned first about the change of heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like those are some like it's it's so funny because like horror, like horror and sci-fi. Um, horror fans know this. Sci-fi sci-fi fans know this that. Each, like, these movies, not all of them, but most of them have, like, a commentary on, like, current events. Or has something to say about a, uh, you know, a topic that can cover, like, sex, drugs, uh, trauma, uh, abuse, and all that kind of stuff. You know, like, it actually has, like, a comment on something. Like, for example, uh, Night of Living Dead. George Romero's Night of Living Dead is a comment on uh, the civil rights era. Mm-hmm. And this one... This one is a comment on like sexual revolution, like, like when, when I don't say sexual re- revolution. Um, what's the word looking for? But definitely female revolution. Yeah, yeah, but I want to say like a. I, I guess you can say maybe sexual revolution, like the the ability for a woman to make her own choice, mm-hmm. and then the idea of like religion being used and traumatizing an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, like how it like plays in the background with like these like little like TV segments and stuff like that, right? That mm-hmm. you kind of just think, okay, that's just kind of the background. Why, we, whatever. And then there's like near the end, there's like that gut punch of like, oh shit, you know, like this is what they were getting at with like the whole religion angle and yeah. who that's connected to like one of the characters. Yeah. Do you know they're making a pre- a prequel of this movie? A prequel? Oh mm-hmm. shit, I want to see it. Yeah. Because well, ha- when when the movie ended, I was like. Oh fuck! Like, <laughs> what the hell happened? I want to know. Yeah, uh, Ty West has said that um, at the time when he was when they were putting this movie together, um, uh, the pandemic was happening, and he was in lockdown for like two. Oh, because this was shot in New Zealand, so obviously when you go to New Zealand or any other foreign countries, they lock you down for two weeks, and then you know to make sure you don't have the Rona. Well, during that two weeks time, he wrote the script for the prequel. And mm. he got a hold of Mia Goth and was like, would you want to do the prequel? She's like, yes, please. <laughs> so, like, we can expect a, a, a prequel of, of one of the characters in in, uh, in the, the next movie. I, I don't know. What's, it might be called Y? I don't know. No, but what comes before X? W. Is w? It w? Yeah, it's called W. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's already a movie called W, but sure. Okay. <laughs> Another one. That's like all the names of songs called Baby. Yes. There are movies who do that, too. That's true. Um, let me see. Oh, so what did you think, what did you think of the horror? Um, hmm. 
that the parts that were, I guess, gory, mm-hmm. they were, like, I guess, shocking because you don't expect it from the people that are doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't honestly think of this film as, I know it's a slasher, but I don't feel like it's as hor- horrifying. It's not, mm-hmm. its intention isn't to be very gory. I think yeah. it really wanted to focus on the psychology of it. Yeah. And so that's, so that's what I think and that's what I like. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the idea of a good horror film, a, a good slasher film, is the anticipation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the the monster around the corner that you or the pov of the monster but you never exactly see like or realizing the monsters yourself yeah and stuff yeah yeah and that's and that's that's the idea of a good horror film because it's like it's the anticipation the gore of the gore of them is just like well that's just the end result of course you know they're gonna get shanked in the in the neck or some stuff like that Mm um i liked how ty west was like directing the 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 shocking moments like some of like oh there's one scene in particular mm, which thing well like give me a hand so we can kind of headlights oh yeah that's oh that's a beautiful beautifully shot scene that that one Mm -hmm. and then uh the barn oh the barn scene but Mm -hmm. yeah okay uh with the shadow Okay, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. So we're going to get in the spoiler section because now we're like, we're like, holy shit, what's I talking about <laughs> like, this? come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so um, we're going to be talking about Ty West's ex uh, in the spoiler section. You know, we're going to talk about it in great lengths, blah, 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 blah. So for those who have not seen X and don't want to be spoiled, here's your spoiler bumper right about now. So, let's talk about the gore. Yeah. Okay. Headlights. I think that was the goriest scene. That and, and it was, was just brutal. It was, and I think it was just mm. for scene composition because, mm-hmm. like, so they could do the thing with the headlights. Yeah, they kind of give it like the the red, the blood spraying on the headlights, and then it looked everything like turning red. red. Yeah, that was. I mean, logically speaking, that doesn't really make sense, but it no. looked great. I know it looked great. <laughs> Um, but go on. I, I mean, it made me off. think for a second. It just made me think of Neon Demon. Oh, okay, okay. I can see that. Yeah. Um, and then there's that scene where the old lady's walking into the barn, mm-hmm. and at first you see like a really big shadow, and it's like a big monster, right? Mm-hmm. And then as she walks in, the shadow gets smaller, and it, you mm-hmm. know, it's, and her. it's like this frail woman with like a pitchfork, mm-hmm. like. And then even like the way how she like stabs the she stabs uh what was the character's name, uh when he when she stabs Wayne that's mm-hmm. the character played by Martin Henderson, um she even does it like a <clears throat> like oh yeah she's <clears throat> weak yeah yeah like if he like if he wasn't just shanked in the eyes by her which I thought was really fucking great mm-hmm. um he could easily have like fought her off yeah um which is this older woman frail. Moves slow. Surprisingly moves like a ninja. <laughs> this movie. Wait, I was going to say, mm-hmm. um, the, the shadow thing was like, um, not projecting. Maybe it is projecting. What's the word I'm looking for? 
Uh, let's just go like with projected. a foreshadow. Yeah, but it's not a foreshadow. It's not a foreshadow. Let's just say it was like a projected. But I get what you're saying about like it looked like this big monster, and it's like this frail, like old woman and stuff like that, and it's like displaying, it's showcasing the monster that is inside her, mm-hmm. like this this killing machine. It's, it's like, like typecasting, telecasting, something. Uh, let's say telecasting. Let's go with that because typecasting is like this is one character that he'll play this character for the rest of his life that's typecasting okay well i know someone out there if you know the word Mm -hmm. tell me and i know it's not the bird bird's the word no i just said it's not are you fucking listening okay (laughs) fuck um back to the horror scene uh back to to the kill scene in the barn with the pitchfork in the eyes right um one thing is i you know, I've seen so many horror movies that I can actually like kind of pinpoint when something's going to happen. Like, all right, they're going to get killed here. I mean, I'm not saying I'm right all the time. I've been wrong mm-hmm. multiple times. Um, but in this one, I saw it coming. Like, okay, obviously, you look down here. He's going to get shit, you know, sh- stabbed in the eyes, right? Mm-hmm. What I didn't expect, and what I, what I didn't expect is like the pitchfork going in his eyes, cut to, this is this is whatever, and then cut back, it's pulled out. Like, just... <laughs> Like, just all of a sudden pulled out, like, cut tattoo and yanked out and shit. And I was, for a minute, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> He's got to pull the shit out, right? Um, which, in in term, that is a fucking slasher film. That's a 70s slasher film. You see, like, the knife being pulled out later, you know, but in this one, it was just so fucking graphic. I think it's funny because there's no reason for them to shy away. Like, oh, even yeah. him mm. stepping on the nail. Oh, God. You just you just saw it, yeah, happening. You're in your like head. you knew it was gonna happen, mm-hmm. and then it happened, and mm-hmm. then you watched him pull it out. Mm-hmm. I like I'm a I'm a huge fan of the idea of of in my horror films like the idea of negative space and like the anticipation of certain things coming because your brain is already it's making the scene. F- for the director that you know whatever you're thinking of the director could never match with that you know mm-hmm. it's like saying um oh my idea of an x-men movie is going to be this this actor this actor this actor they're going to fight this creature this bad guy you know whatever and it'll never amount to like what any production can do right because that's the mind of the, that's your imagination um and it goes it goes the same with certain like horror films where your your brain is already just like like the dude is walking towards the nail. You're seeing him already stepping on the nail. You're feeling it, right? Mm-hmm. And still, and when you still see it, you're still like, oh, fuck. Like, even though I played in my head like a thousand times yeah. leading up to it, which I think is it's fucking, it's, it's, it's a true sign of like a, of a great horror film. Yes. Um, oh, let's talk about um, yeah. speaking of horror films mm-hmm. and the fact that it, you could tell it's like an homage to like old slashers. You, the, the, crispness was intentionally not there oh yeah 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 like it wasn't really ever out of focus or anything but Mm -hmm. you could tell it was shot with like a like an older camera or Mm -hmm. just made to look that way yeah so there's that and then there sometimes they would like do this scene change thing where a lot of um directors were experimenting back in the day Mm -hmm. so they would like cut in the next scene with the end like the beginning of the next scene in with the end of the pr- the current one mm. and it would blink back and forth oh until, yeah you know now you're in the new scene um let me see 
I want to find out what was the camera. Um, like, I wouldn't be surprised if this shows up on 35mm at the Secret Movie Club. Uh, either that or probably like the New Beverly or something like that. Yeah. Um, God, my laptop is being boo-boo right now. It's being boo-boo? Uh, original plan- oh, okay. So the original plan was to shoot it in 16mm. Um, but because they were, we were made the movie in New Zealand during COVID, it would have been impossible. To do. So we, so they shot on like Sony Venice and use, this is, this is from, this is what Ty West said. He said the original plan was to shoot on 60 millimeter. Um, but because we made the movie in New Zealand during COVID, it would have been impossible to get dailies within two weeks. We shot it on, uh, Sony Venice and used this groovy Hawk lens. Um, so that's what kind of still gave it that like, almost grindhousey look mm-hmm. but still a clear enough shot to to know that it wasn't cheap that you're like okay i can still see what's going on in the dark in the background and the foreground you know, mm-hmm. and all that, with low lighting and such yeah um all right so the character change let's talk about that the character change yeah you said like there's a character change in the movie oh mm. church mouse <laughs> yeah church mouse okay um uh play by looks like Gina Ortega? Jenna. Yeah, Jenna yeah, Ortega. Sorry. Yeah, Jenna Ortega. Yeah. So she plays um, Lorraine, also known as Church Mouse. Mm-hmm. And she is very quiet. She doesn't really talk to anyone. Her boyfriend is the cinematographer slash director. Mm-hmm. She's, um, what, the grip? She's the sound. She's the sound, the boom mic holder. What is that? Boom mic? That's like, no, 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 no. Like, what's the name of that position? I don't even know what a grip oh, is. Oh, it's called a boom operator. Boom operator? What's mm-hmm. a gaffer? Uh, people who do the stage work and they literally a gaffer is like a gaffer tape, but they do like uh, like building up stages and stuff like that and sets. Oh. So, yeah, she just holds the boom mic, but um, mm-hmm. she is clearly like, why did you choose to make this film? And he and her boyfriend mm-hmm. is like, I just want to make a movie that people want to watch like yeah and i want to make a it's a porno but i want to make an artistic porno yeah uh so gaffer uh they work on the positioning of the lighting and the fast ways fast ways to change the light setup between shots that's what a gaffer does yeah so i was wrong but go on um so she starts talking to the other people to the um like to kid cuddy's character jackson mm-hmm. um and to uh, Bobby Lynn and all that. Mm. And they're all, at first they just think that she is looking to judge them or whatever. But she kind of realizes like, okay, well, if it's all you're saying it's cracked up to be and I want to be independent, I'll, I want to be in it too. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden her boyfriend was like, no. Yeah, playing by Owen Campbell, uh, who's RJ. That's the character. Um, yeah, and that happens like after, like they actually have like this really good discussion about pornography mm-hmm. and like how back then even, i mean even now people see it as exploitive and uh i mean there there are two there are two different stories within the porn industry you get the one side that is considered unsafe very demeaning towards women stuff like that i mean but you can say that but the business of anything mm-hmm. you know and you have the other side where these women they like no i'm in control of my sexuality if i want to do this scene I'll fucking do it. You know, no ifs, ands, or buts or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And they make a really good discussion. The characters the who are making this porn, they make this really good talk about, like, it's about sexual freedom. And it's it's all fun. Like, it doesn't have to be 
meaningful, spiritual, or anything like that. It's just like, hey, you want to fuck? You want to fuck? Yeah. And I think you know a lot about it, too. Mm-hmm. Just because um, you've talked to people. Oh, like porn stars and stuff mm-hmm. like that? Yeah, I've had like I've actually had like discussions with porn stars and former porn stars and people in the industry, and they're like, yeah, this is it. This is the truth about it. This is that and everything. You know, yakety smack. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like how like how you were saying it like turns that character around of like, yeah, I want to do it. Like, yeah, why not? Well, yeah, I want to do it. And so, um, <laughs> I think that's funny. To me, that's a really important point, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because it was all fun and games when her boyfriend wanted to be make this movie. Yeah, who wanted to shoot yeah, and, people fucking. And wanted her to come along mm-hmm. so that she could help shoot it, which I'm sure was a bit of a turn on for him that she was there. Yeah. But the minute she said, oh, I, I want to do it too then, mm-hmm. then he's like, whoa, wait a minute. And now I, he's uncomfortable. And, yeah. and it's like she handled her discomfort a lot fucking better than he did. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's what, that's when RJ, the RJ character starts inserting his like manhood, like she can't do this, you know. Um, he's have, he has a really good discussion with Wayne. Oh, I don't even say it was a discussion. It was almost <laughs> like a poli- What was funny? No, I'm thinking about it. What uh, are you gonna say? I too? think I think he's more of like pleading, and and then he says his line that was like, "Holy shit, I love that line." He says, "RJ says she's not like the, she's not like she's not like these girls," and then Wayne like gives him this look like, "Motherfucker, did you just say that?" <laughs> and pretty much like, they're all like this. Like you're the like he's pretty much saying you're the one stuck in the old times. Well, man. I think he said something like ain't none of them good girls or something yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 some of that, yeah. Yeah. But why do you love that that so much? Because like cuz like it's it's one it's it's RJ showing his true colors. You know, he he claims to be more free-spirited than um, than Lorraine, you know, because he's shooting this porno. It's like an art house. He's trying to do it like an art house style and stuff like that. And when Wayne says, like, ain't none of them are good girls, he's pretty much like, he's he's realistic. He's like, deep down inside, women want to get freaky. Women want to do shit like this, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, this uh, Lorraine, who come like, at the beginning was seen very uh, judgmental or very, like, not approve of, like, what was going on and stuff like that, how... She has this turn, and like you said, handles it way better than RJ. Mm, excuse me. And it's like this character flip. And when RJ got murked mm. by Pearl, I was like, good, fuck that guy. <laughs> like, yeah, me too. Um, so I have a question for you. Mm. You took the more positive side of him saying, like, basically, no no girls, no women are, like, good, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But because of the character mm-hmm. and the, the way in which it was said, mm-hmm. I kind of took offense to it. Really? Oh, because of, like, that he kind of comes off like as a pimp or something like that? Like, he's very um, chauvinistic. Like, he's mm-hmm. sexist. So, he's like, no, they're, none of them are good girls. Like... Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't really, I don't, he doesn't come across as someone who actually values women. Yeah, yeah. He's only there to benefit from them wanting to be free. Yeah, and he's like using, he's using any of these women to like get what he wants, you know, which is essentially, I believe he wanted to be like a big producer in Hollywood and he saw this as like his Mm -hmm. way out. Right, but also Mm. he gets to sleep with whoever the fuck he wants. Yeah, I can definitely see that too. Yeah, you're right. I did take, I did, I did take those words in a positive spin without 
thinking really, about the other it, it, yeah. without really examining the person delivering that line yeah you know because i'm because i'm more you know i'm always like yeah it's fucking like female empowerment and sexual positivity mm-hmm. and body uh body positivity and everything like that and sometimes my brain forgets oh yeah people can be a piece of shit and still say good things yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is true which is true about the wayne character like um like the fact that like he has like maxine like Ma- he has maxine doing cocaine Mm-hmm. like yeah like do cocaine like you like feel better about this like and that's that's a, that's a that's an old tactic that is still used as day of how to like loosen up women and stuff like that yeah. and to take advantage of them is to be have them high as fuck right um but i think even i think even maxine was like i'm still not gonna be taken advantage of because she had been taken advantage of in her previous life mm-hmm. which was the father of this overzealous uh preacher priest or whatever you know mm-hmm. pastor or whatever like that um i i honestly i would i think that if wayne didn't die if there was a conversation between wayne and maxine i think maxine would have like broke his nose probably if something had happened yeah yeah um we haven't talked much about britney snow she is annoying she can be annoying at times but i like the fact that like ty West didn't make her just like a ditty blonde or anything like that Wait, which one was she? She's the, she's Bobby Lynn. She's the she's the blonde, and that. Oh, uh, but she was ditzy though, and she was a blonde. Yeah, I know, but that's the thing. Like, there's that like there's that part where uh, R J is shooting Jackson at the gas station, mm-hmm. and she and oh, and, like she actually does have like creative merit. Yeah, she has creative merit, and then she's the one who even is the one who leads the conversation with Lorraine about like sexual revolution, sexual freedom. This is all about fun. This is that, and everything like that. It was never just like, oh my god, what's going on? Except. Except the part with Pearl. That, that part was like, all right, you're just being stupid. No. Yeah. I think she's one example of someone who you would never look at or mm-hmm. even listen to. If you, like, if you can just get past the sound of her voice mm-hmm. you and the way she looks, you might actually understand that she knows what the fuck she's talking about. Yeah. But because she looks the way she does and she talks the way she does, mm-hmm. you're like, I don't even pay attention to you because, mm. like you're obviously just trash yeah yeah and and kind of ditzy and stupid yeah and i and i think and it, it just dawned on me now as we're talking about this movie if you really think about it all the men here are idiots mm-hmm. uh wayne is an idiot uh rj's rj's really big fucking idiot yeah uh jackson not so much but he does make some he does make some dumb decisions and even howard it's very like like I said earlier. He's more of the blunt object, right? Where deep down, uh, Lorraine, Maxine, Bobby Lynn, and even Pearl, they're more precise. They have a, they are very confident in what they say and what they know and like how to handle a situation. Um, so Ty West is a guy, right? Yes. I'm actually very surprised that a man actually like a male directed this and, and wrote, wrote it, it too. Yeah. Well, I mean, there just for that fact, because you get the nuance. Like, if I'm thinking mm-hmm. about Jackson, just going off of what you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, once a Marine, always a Marine, right? Mm-hmm. He wasn't in any way, shape, or form like, oh, look at me, I'm the greatest person ever. He wasn't like Wayne. Mm-hmm. He wasn't. He, uh, he, but he was he, just there to like enjoy himself and make yeah. some money. But he he doesn't have like a level of confidence that I think is very deserving. Like, there's that shot of 
Jackson answering the door. He's buck ass naked, and like Howard's like, "I'm looking for my wife," and like they they have they have a exterior <laughs> into an interior shot where you see Jackson standing there and clearly the profile of his dick. Yeah, clearly see the profile of that dick. Like, all right, he's got he's every right to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's like um. Here's me probably stereotyping a little bit, but there's mm. like a like a brand of dense mm-hmm. that only men can have. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And like Jackson is kind of like oblivious as well. Yeah, like he's, he's like one of those guys, like there are those guys who they could be the nicest people in the world. Mm-hmm. They're very smart. Mm-hmm. But they can only see what's in front of them, mm-hmm. and they and they just go and do it, or they 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 don't really think about the whole circumstance. Yeah, yeah. And so him being out in the woods at night like that was kind mm. of like, you're stupid. <laughs> like, but he wasn't oh, yeah, he has like done moments. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't like mm. intent. He wasn't like stupid really, but like mm. he was so dense, like. Yeah, like a woman wouldn't do that. Yeah, and I think, and I, and I think that kind of that shows where Ty West wanted to take the script. He didn't want to make the story of like these men saving the day or anything like that. He even wanted to make a story of like of Mia Goth necessarily becoming like the final girl, even though she is the final girl. But mm-hmm. like, rightfully, do you know what that term is? The final girl. Mm-hmm. You've explained it to me. She's rightfully so the final girl, but like she's like she's not like, like oh I'm slipping and I'm barely missing being missed or anything like that. She's like. Nah, like I'm not gonna get myself fucking killed. Like there's that part where um she gets to drop on uh she gets to drop on Howard and Pearl and has the gun and is just like I'm gonna fucking kill you. Mm-hmm. Right. And she pulls the trigger and of course like there's no bullets, mm-hmm. you know. I I I thought it'd been better if there were bullets. I'd be like, oh my god, yes, because I because I was expecting no bullets, mm-hmm. right? Um but that like that part was so great of how Pearl tries to shoot <laughs> shoot Maxine and gets <laughs> blown away by the shotgun. And Max, Maxine gets in the car and just like, oh, fuck that. And backs over her head. Like, mm-hmm. fuck this bitch. Like, straight up. Yeah. Um, I did think it was funny how Howard died, though. Oh, yeah. Just like, yeah. <laughs> fucking Lorraine is like, her last breath. <gasps> and he like, <gasps> and has a heart attack right there. Like, all right. He did have a bad heart after all. Huh? I know, right? He Imagine that. Well, I mean, at least he got off. Before I know, he, he got, got one last fuck. I know, right? Um, okay, so the religion aspect. Okay. Did you see that? Did you see that twist coming at the end with the with the religion part? No. I didn't see that either. That the fact that Maxine is the daughter of the pastor that's been playing on the TV. That it seems like this is constantly being played in rural parts of like Texas. You know, this very where you probably would see that anyway. So exactly. you really don't think anything of it. Exactly, exactly. Um, but like when they have the reveal of like Maxine and who her connection is to this overzealous pastor, you have a better understanding of like, oh, I see why she's in this situation. I can see why. She, like she what was that thing she kept saying she she kept saying like i'm i'm better than i'm i'm destined for better things or something like something of that nature. oh she said i will not accept a life i don't deserve exactly right and like the, like she says that like what like two or three times no she said like two times and the third time it like dawns on it finally dawns on in the film like oh that's why she's saying this because she's been, she's had a history of being in abusive relationships mm-hmm. and she's like fuck this i'm no longer going to be in such and caught in a situation like this again. Yeah. 
which once again goes to the credit to Ty West's writing. And yeah, I think directing. it's really the, the more we talk about it, the more it becomes like a favorite of mine. Oh, really? Yeah, just because like mm. he didn't just write the women really well or the mm. men, but every like the men are stupid, but in very nuanced ways. Mm. And then the whole religious thing where it comes out of nowhere, mm-hmm. the whole ageism thing. Like, I think this movie is actually, if you really pay attention, mm-hmm. jam-packed with there's something for everyone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's plenty of horror. There's plenty of sex. Mm-hmm. Plenty of gore. Uh, underlying message about ageism. Mm-hmm. And uh, remembering the long days gone by and that you might have wasted your life. Which I... I mean, despite Pearl murdering these people, mm-hmm. I still feel bad for her. Me too. Like she really wasted like her life with like with 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 Howard. Yeah. Um, but you know she gotta die. So whatever. <laughs> but, but one of the girls too was like, "It's not my fault you wasted your life." <laughs> like, oh, exactly. I think I think uh, I think Bobby Lynn had said that to her. Yeah. Um, so I'm very like on board for that prequel. Yeah. I very much want to see like what happens with Pearl. Or how she got to that point. Um, all right, is there anything else? Nope. All right, so we are going to hop into uh, what are we doing next? Our variety time segment of seeing red for turning red. <laughs> fucking disney movie pixar 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 Mm -hmm. it's both it's the same okay look i have a thing right now i'm going through where i'm like i have my kids are old enough Mm. they don't really watch kid shows that much anymore they can watch it on their own they don't need me to watch it finally that time is behind me (laughs) i don't want to fucking watch any more kid movies or kid shows Mm. unless like Kubo and the Two Strings holds a really special place in my heart. You, I, I think you should really watch Encanto. Encanto's a really good movie. I would have. <laughs> okay. If it was for a purpose. Entertainment. <laughs> it's for entertainment. Mm. Um, all right. So, yeah. So, the reason why we're talking about... Uh, I'm trying to get this stuff loaded in my laptop doing poo-poo right now. Um... The reason why we're bringing up Turning Red is not to necessarily give it a review. Although, let's start off by saying I saw the movie, really loved it. Um, There was no moment I was like bored or like not entertained. Mm. So this is definitely like up there of like best like Pixar films. Yeah. Um, And what's what's your what's your quick opinion on on? I think I got about 15 minutes in when I texted you the first time that I really love this movie. Mm. And then my mom called me halfway through the movie. Mm. So then I had to go back and rewind it and watch it. Okay. And when I finished it, I texted you again like, yeah, like I actually really love this movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I love everything about it. Uh, okay, so... Also, the girls think that the um, the mom's red panda mm-hmm. looks like me. Kind of, I guess. Maybe because of the red hair? I think so. And plus, she has like a rounder face mm-hmm. as a panda. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so the reason why we're talking about this is because um, there was a bit of a controversy following, I mean, surrounding the, the movie, and not just the movie itself, but a review. Um, the review was done by Sean O'Connell, and uh, it was for, it was written on Cinema Blend. Uh, the title of the review is uh, Disney's, uh, it's called uh, Disney's Turning Red Review in Pixar's Latest Comedy Girls Just Want to Have Fur. All right, clever, funny, haha, mm-hmm. all right. However, the review, God, man, this laptop is just fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to bring up the docket, like the stuff I highlighted for it. Um, let me just find this motherfucker. So, yeah. So, you go on. I'm going to have to look this up. Okay. I didn't originally read the review. I just read someone else's article about the movie and the review. Mm-hmm. It was a very, very long article. Mm-hmm. So I didn't finish it. But um, obviously this person disagreed <laughs> with the review. Um, and this was before I even got to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. What I think the the review failed to really the reviewer failed mm. to understand is that there are no children not every children's movie needs to be made for a white male mm-hmm. and that's that's one of the biggest controversy that uh sean o'connell had said that he couldn't relate to the movie um now granted the the film takes place in toronto Predominantly, it's about an Asian family mm-hmm. with uh, Asian lore. Uh, I, I think it might be Japanese, Chinese. I don't want to say specifically, but let's just say Asian. Um, I, myself, am a black man mm-hmm. in California. Okay. Yet, I was still able to relate to the story. Or at least to see how there is there are ways to relate to the story. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm sure. I wonder, did you find anything eye-opening about it? What do you mean eye-opening? So, like, there are times where people can, like, people can watch something that isn't really meant for them and they Mm. enjoy it, but they also learn something about someone else's point of view. I'm I'm sorry. I I wasn't paying attention. What was that again? (laughs) No, because I'm, like, trying to get this fucking thing up and my laptop is like, your internet shit right now. And it's a lie. But go on. Okay. Did you learn anything from it? Because, or was it like eye-opening to you in any way? Because sometimes people will watch a movie that's not really intended for them, but they'll enjoy mm-hmm. it anyways, and they might see something from someone else's point of view. <sighs> eye-opening? Not necessarily, but I, I mean, from, from my understanding, it's about how this little girl... She's she's looked upon by her mother to be a certain way, to act a certain way. She she the mother has like these high expectations for this girl, and the girl's like, no, I want to be my own person. Like I can be smart, I can I can I can be smart, but I like boy bands. I'm developing hormones and stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 that that's what that's that thing that kind of boggles me about this dude's review. Like, okay. You're not having a period. Let's just say, let's just say, like that on on, on surface level, right? The movie's about like getting your period. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that, okay? Even if you you're a guy who never got your period, I'm sure you know women 
You had women in your life who've done that. Unless your name is John. (sighs) Yes, but see, and and that's and that's the weird. That's that that always like blows my fucking mind when men are like they don't understand shit like this. Like, Mm -hmm. like I said, I have never experienced it, but I at least know what happens. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna 100% understand it because I will never experience that. Mm -hmm. But I at least know that like these are what happens. This, this is what happens to a woman's body. <laughs> and this is why it's embarrassing to have your parents find out you had your period. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought, like, that whole that whole part about, uh, uh, what's her name, Maylene, uh, getting her period and, like, how the mother reacts to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, was that shit fucking funny. <laughs> oh, like, when she shows up at the school with, like, a, this is not really much spoiler, but... Just the fact that, like, the mother shows up with, like, I, you forgot your pets. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. That's probably the only time you'll ever feel that type of uh, anxiety over someone. Like, you yeah. almost felt like you felt like you were the little girl whose mom was bringing you pets. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So, okay, so I'm just going to read you some excerpts because I got, I got the damn thing up now. So I'm going to read you some excerpts of the guy's review. Um, so Sean O'Connor has said, uh, also, this is like in the middle of his review. He says, also, when we see from a bird's eye view, turning, turning red plays Pixar's versions of Teen Wolf, which I, I can definitely see the similarities with those two movies, only with a female protagonist turning into a red panda instead of a wolf. Complete sequences are lifted directly from Michael J. Fox's un- underappreciated comedy and translated into animation here. Here's what he said. The result is a jumble of familiar ideas, manic energy that has exhausted me far more than it, enter- it entertained me. Did this movie make you feel exhausted? Um, I have a very exhausting 14-year-old. Mm-hmm. To the point where I snapped at her yesterday and you told me I was harsh. Mm-hmm. I felt like this energy matched her mm-hmm. and she is exhausting. And I feel like if you're not used to that kind of energy, it could mm-hmm. be exhausting. Mm-hmm. Me personally, mm-hmm. I was so in it, I didn't feel exhausted. And so he says, continue on. Turning Red's target audience seems to be small and incredibly specific. No. Very no. Hello, fifty-one percent of the world is a fucking female. I know, and 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 here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? Like the way how Maylene acts towards like boy bands or having a crush on a or 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 finally nosing boys and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That is in no way different than what a guy would feel like. Like what? Like when I started like noticing like Janet Jackson. Mm-hmm. At an early age, right? I was like, what's this weird feeling going through me, right? Uh-huh. Um, I didn't go through that very much. I, I Like, I was not... I had one, maybe two people that I had a crush on. Mm-hmm. And I think more than that, I got freaked out the mm-hmm. one or two times that I had a crush on a girl. Because it was mm-hmm. very looked down upon. Okay. So other than I never went through like I love these boy bands like mm-hmm. I liked Backstreet Boys music I didn't even know who they were. In mm-hmm. Sync I think I had a, a little crush on Lance Bass but that was it. Okay. So, so like but I could still re- understand and relate to it I just yeah. never got into it in the level that she was. Yeah, but you could still like relate you could still see like oh I can see why this girl would be I so. I was fast. just really happy that they showed a Tamagotchi. Oh, that was fucking hilarious! I was so fucking happy about that. 
I still love those things. Okay, so later on the review, uh, Sean Connell has said, uh, sorry, Sean O'Connell has said throughout throughout turning red, Domi Shi, this is the uh, the director and her co-writer Julia Cho pepper in jokes and references that will speak directly to teenage girls, be it their bonds over sappy pop songs or their heated lust for old teen, um, older teen dudes. Without question, Turning Red is the horniest movie in Pixar's history. Really, dude? Did you really have to point that out? Which parents, no doubt, will find surprising. That there. I'm not saying that is what kickstarted another controversy that we're going to cover with about this, but just remember that. I recognize the humor he in the film. He sounds evangelical. I know. I recognize the humor in the film, but connected with none of it. By rooting, turning red very specifically in the Asian community of Toronto, the film legitimately feels like it was made for Domi Shi's friends and intimate, intimate family members, which is fine, but also a tad limiting in its scope. As a black man, as a film critic, film journalist, I have to watch a ton of movies that feature white people in the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, clear example, I watched uh, a couple of days ago, the yesterday, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, right? Mm-hmm. No way. The only way I can relate to that is how I was raised in the Christian faith. Everything else, it's just it was just entertaining. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't view it as a limiting scope because clearly that's for like a that's for a Christian Christian folks and white people. There are tons of minorities out there, tons of other religions, right? But we're just supposed to just take all that in and be like, that's that's the scope we have to. It's the same thing like when Black Panther came out. Oh, about people saying limited scope of that shit. Yeah. Okay, you yourself as a white woman. Mm-hmm. Black Panther is in no way like story should be relatable to you. It's in Africa, Wakanda, all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, did you enjoy it? Yeah, because you know what theme I got from it? Hmm. Was hope in creating a better life for everyone around you, which exactly. is very universal. And also like the sins of the father, how they will come back and like mm-hmm. haunt you and how they And determine- family values. Exactly. Some people would say that's a fucking limited scope. Some people say Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, limiting scope. That was one of the highest grossing movies in the pandemic era. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is this dude talking about? Yeah. Um, and at the end of the review, he says, there's an audience out there for turning red. And when the audience finds the movie, I have no doubt they will celebrate it for the unique animal that is that it, that it is. In my opinion, however, the, obvi- the audience is relatively small and I'm not part of it. Okay. Here, first of all, I found it. Here I am. <laughs> I'm part of that audience, but also, I don't want you sitting with me in the movie theater. Um, Not you, but you know Sean O'Connell. Um, so Turning Red. Um, a lot of a lot of people gave Turning Red high praise. I, I, I know it was like a huge hit on Disney Plus. Um, now I'm not gonna we're not gonna entirely beat the shit out of the guy. Um. He did come out later. He did come out later uh, on Twitter. He did apologize. Uh, he said, "I'm genuinely sorry for my turning red review. Thank you to thank you to everyone who has reached out 
with criticism, no matter how harsh. It is clear that I didn't engage nearly enough with the film. No, sorry, enough with the movie. Nor did I explain my point of view at all. I really appreciate your feedback. Um, Cinema Blend had said that you know they 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 quote tweeted this from Sean O'Connell. Sean O'Connell. Uh, Cinema Blend said, we failed to properly edit this review, and it never should have gone up. We have unpublished it and assigned to someone else. We have also added new levels of editorial oversight. Thank you to everyone who spoke up. This is from Mac Rodden, Rodden, editor-in-chief. Now, that'd be all all swell um, if Sean O'Connell was like some junior writer some freshman writer this is the managing editor who wrote this review yeah now as a managing editor i have come across uh many writers who have gone through screen geek many of their stuff that i've edited and part of the managing editor job is is to be the fence it's to, it's to be the to, to be the filter. It's to be the filter. And I'm the filter. You know, uh, Frank, the editor-in-chief, you know, he has bigger things to do and stuff like that. Sometimes he gets involved as well. But part of the managing editor job is to be the filter and be like, this, like to look at other people's work, especially your own, and be like, that's not going to fly. We shouldn't write. We shouldn't say that. And that's not to, like, censor ourselves, but to realize it's Either this, you need to say it differently mm-hmm. and make a, a point and not mm-hmm. just say what you think and don't back it up. Mm-hmm. You need to back up what you're saying. Yeah. Or like, or check our bias at the door. Yeah. Um, uh, one writer that we had. Uh, well, I'm just going to say really quickly. That mm-hmm. reminds me when I was in 12th grade, I went to mm-hmm. uh, like a trade school yeah. to be a pastry chef. And the... Um, we would work with the, the culinary chef, too, sometimes, and he said that it doesn't matter if you don't like seafood, if you don't like vegetables, if you don't like certain things, a good chef will always taste their food and know if it tastes good or bad. doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you like the food or not. You mm-hmm. still have to know how to cook it. Exactly. Exactly. And the fact that, like, the managing editor looked at this and was like, oh, yeah, this is totally fine what I wrote. That's That's a serious fucking problem. Yeah. Um, so there were a bit more controversy <laughs> that came with this movie, right? And these are from, it seems like a majority of these, uh, some of these are from men, but it seems like a majority of these are from women. Women holding on their pearls saying, oh my God, our kids shouldn't watch this, right? Because it's talking about topics that it seems like parents are just scared of shit to talk about, mm-hmm. you know? Um, one person, okay, so I'm going to read you some of the reviews, that uh, that showed up on Rotten Tomato, right? So one review is not appropriate for kids. It teaches kids that it's okay to disobey parents if it is important to the child. Name me a Disney movie that doesn't do that. <laughs> uh, you know what? Mulan definitely didn't do that. Oh, yeah. Or The Little Mermaid. Nope. Or, I don't know, The Princess and the Frog. Or, mm, what, Sleeping Beauty. Or <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another reviewer has said, this is not what Pixar is about. I can only see a small group of people, see, of people relating to the movie that feels so conditioned by cur- current political trends. It loses its loose, loses all potential to succeed what? as a transitional film. What transcendental political? Film. Because it's Asian people. They see that it's a political agenda. 
because there's Asian people in it. I'm like trying to racking my brain like what political what's political in there. Mm. It's about children. One reviewer gave it half a star. Here's what they said. Definitely not made for kids. It glorifies finding yourself and following friends at the expense of listening to your parents' guidance. It, that's. I feel like that one might be sarcasm. No, no, that's this is real. That's but see this that's 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 adolescence. That's being a fucking teenager. I kind of celebrate that. Like for how fucking annoying Cameron can be, mm-hmm. I try and let her talk as much as I can fucking stand it because I want her to be herself, and she's she needs to be herself. So the reviewer continues. Totally inappropriate for children, preteens who are not living in the modern, who are not living in the modern, in quotes, progressive cult of ideas, end quote, will find the topics awkward and uncomfortable. Maybe Pixar should decide if they want to continue making charming and enduring family favorites or edgy progressive adult films and stop sitting on the fence. Are you sure you shouldn't be having these people on the podcast with you? Because they clearly haven't seen enough movies either. <laughs> no, because it's just, be, it's just be me just shouting at them. Like, what is wrong with you, stupid? Like, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they, like, and, and I, I'm, I'm not going to read this, but there's this, this Felicia Renee. Cause it's on public. It's on Twitter. Fuck it. We wrote down this long list of why she why it's an inappropriate film. Um, like at one point, let me I'm, I'm read you. Let me see. Let me read you at one point. It says there's a big scene about a girl getting her period, and her mom bringing past her to school and embarrassing her. That's a problematic scene for her. What? Why is that problematic? One of my most traumatizing times in middle school was the time I got my first period. That was the most one of the most traumatizing experiences of my life. Mm-hmm. I you've told me that several times, and I feel traumatized. Like living, like almost living through that story with you. Like, oh my god! Like, like I like. There's nothing anything special about it, but you aren't educated by your mm-hmm. own mother. You, your stepmother is telling you very, um, almost like a user manual. She's not very kid friendly. <laughs> uh-huh. Basically, here's a book. Go figure it out yourself. Mm-hmm. Earlier than when I got my period, then I get my period. And I'm half like, I got it when I was ten, and, I, mm-hmm. and then I like I turned eleven halfway through my first period, mm-hmm. and I thought I was dying, and I was trying to use toilet paper because mm-hmm. I didn't, it, it wasn't connecting the dots that oh yeah I had this yeah education yeah, and then I was trying to tie like a sweater around my to waist cover it up. to cover it up, and mm-hmm. it bled through anyways. Like, and then all the kids are fucking making fun of me. Like, it's it's very a, traumatizing. It's a very traumatizing thing, and unfortunately, your your mother or your stepmother wasn't didn't give you like the the right advice to how to cope with that or deal with that or anything like that. But it's like stuff like that and other cringe worthy things. It's part of being a teenager or mm-hmm. part of being a girl growing up. Like one of the comments I had seen on Twitter about it was the fact that like this girl, uh, Mei Ling, uh, the, the, the main character, she is, uh, drawing these fantasies of like being with these boy bands and stuff like that. Right. Uh-huh. And the person on Twitter was just like, yeah. And like she, she even gave an example of saying, I wrote a fantasy of, of running away with uh, Legolas from 
Lord of the Rings and living through middle living in Middle Earth. Uh, no lie, I dated a girl in high school who read me fan fiction that she wrote because uh, of the band Orgy, because she <laughs> loved that band, right? And at times I'd be like, what? One, I was like, okay. But two, I was like, all right, it's bad writing. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. And she would still continue telling me the fucking story and shit. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell her like, oh, no, like, please stop. It's bad. I'd be like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. Can we, <laughs> let's get, let's watch something. And she would read me another story. I'm like, oh, fuck. But even I have done that where I've had like fantasies of like running away with like Wonder Woman or something like that mm-hmm. or running away with Bruce Wayne. You know, or some shit like that, mm-hmm. you know. It's just part of just being a fucking teenager. Like, just straight up. <laughs> also, drawing inappropriate pictures. Ooh! But, like, Ooh. not me, though. Mm. I didn't do that. But oh, in ninth okay. grade, uh, I was friends with a girl who decided it was really cool to just draw random dicks in my notebook. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my mom had barely started dating this guy for, like, a few months uh, that she met at the bar that she worked at. Uh and they got into a huge fight, and my mom decided, well, I guess we're running away to my ex-boyfriend's house. And we spent the whole long weekend there, and paranoid as fuck that this guy was going to come fucking murder us, right? And don't worry, she stayed with him for another three years. Oh, okay, that sounds um, great. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in the time we were at her ex-boyfriend's house, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because he was also living where we were living. Oh, in, the, in the same era? No, in the same trailer. Oh, okay. Um, he had let the the trailer park drunk uh-huh. into the fucking <gasps> trailer too. Uh-huh. And to go through everyone's shit <gasps> and they found the fucking notebook with the dick pic in it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's the same trailer with the cow. are going to do our geriatric cinematic of David Schmoller's tourist trap. Every year, hundreds of young people travel the country and disappear. God help those who get caught in the tourist trap. (laughs) Tourist trap, where beautiful young people looking for excitement are tricked This one came out in 1979. Don't worry, I did see that you also had it 1979. I fixed it, it, yeah. (laughs) The synopsis is, a group of young friends stranded at a secluded, almost said scheduled, (laughs) (laughs) at a secluded roadside museum are stalked by a masked assailant who uses his telekinetic powers to control the attraction's mannequins. Directed by David Schmoller, written by J. Larry Carroll, and David Schmoller, it stars Chuck Connors, Jocelyn Jones, John Van Ness, Robin Sherwood, and Tanya Roberts. Um, so yeah, 1979's Tourist Trap. Um, 
I had not watched it before we decided to to review this for the podcast. I had heard about this movie and heard that it's it's pretty. Uh, I wouldn't say fucked up, but pretty jarring. I guess maybe is the correct word. I don't know. Um, but I I I read that Stephen King loved it. Really, that he absolutely loves this movie, right? Especially the opening, uh, the opening kill scene. Yeah, okay. I know. Um, so I'm going to start off by saying I enjoyed it. I will get into details why I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no one gives a fuck what I think. Kelsey, what do you think about this movie? I had really high hopes for it. Mm-hmm. Because you're like, I don't think it deserved the bad rating that it got. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, maybe it'll be really, really good. Mm-hmm. So I will chalk this movie up to mm. you choose your entertainment <laughs> okay like like you ever drink something mm-hmm. and you kind of like some of the flavors but you don't like the other flavors so you just focus on the goods and mm-hmm. power through it mm-hmm. that's this movie yep 100 percent agree with you on that like it's not directed well mm-hmm. the pacing is bad mm-hmm. the kind of some of the premise i'm like Really? Telekinesis? Mm. It, like, it's not, not even done in a really clever way. That's actually... I found out that that was actually an afterthought. Yeah. Like, originally, the mannequins... the These mannequins that were, like... That are, like, almost seem, like, possessed. Originally, they were going to be the possessed of, of, of like, demons or some shit that like that. That would have been hella fucking better. Mm. Um, but what I really enjoyed about it, the thing that I'm focusing on to say that I could get through it and like it... Uh, was the whole psychological aspect of the main character, like the fucking killer. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was really interesting to me. I don't give a shit yeah. about his telekinesis at all. Okay. But the duplicitous nature and the uh-huh. fucking spiral into madness. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I did like the telekinesis part of it. And the reason why is because... I mean, telekinesis is not something that's new in horror, but like seeing it done, I always kind of get a kick. And if if it's if it's even if it's not done correctly, I'm, I still find ways to enjoy it. Like for example, like the the first kill of the movie um, that happened to uh, let me get the the actor's name. Um, the and he had like a like I said, he was dead at the beginning of the movie. Uh, the character... Uh, Is he the one, Woody. Woody? He's the one that everyone kept calling for? Yeah, Woody, played by Keith uh, McDermott. 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 Um, uh, M-C-D-E-R-M-O-T-T? McDermott. McDermott. Okay. I actually liked how he was tortured. Like, before he died, before that pipe went inside of him. Mm-hmm. How the mannequins were just like... Bah! And everything, and there's like all the, like this floating shit being thrown at him and stuff like that. Mm. I've literally had nightmares of that where I'm just in a room, I'm hearing laughter, I can't see where it's coming from, and stuff is just thrown at me. Um, yeah, mm. I agree with that. Okay. I- I've had dreams about that shit too. Mm. But usually <laughs> the things are possessed, or yes, and like I said, the like, whole it's scary and overwhelming when it happens in your dream. This when you're watching it in the movie, mm-hmm. you're it just is very anticlimactic and almost slow pace. Like I didn't yeah. feel that kind of fear. Okay, so check this out: the girl who plays uh, Becky, 
I'm trying to remember which one is she. She's the one with the straight hair. The really pretty one. Is she the one? She was. She had black hair. There were three girls. Yeah, there was one the, had curly hair, yeah. one had straight hair, and one had blonde hair. Okay, so blonde hair, that's Jocelyn Jones. That was Molly. That was Molly. That's the one who, who survives at the end. Um, okay, so Tanya, Tanya Roberts, who played Becky, I believe she's the one who gets the mask plaster on her face. Yeah, she was. No. Oh, is that the is that, that the was one? a different girl? That girl was already there. No, that was the one who was because there's three girls, and these are the three girls that are in the movie. Oh, what? Oh, no, there's Tina. Oh, you're right. So there's Tina, Eileen, and Molly. So yeah, Becky was already there. Okay. Becky wasn't already there. I think then Tina then? Tina must have already been there because I, there was a, a guy that was already there too. Mm-hmm. Who that was Woody. Yeah. Okay. Um, because they didn't know the girl. They they weren't calling to her by name or anything. They didn't know her. Mm. Um. And so I don't know who that was. She was pretty though. No. Yeah. Becky. Yeah. Yeah. So Becky was one of them. So it says their friends Becky, Jerry, and Molly. Mm-hmm. So they reached to Eileen, and all drive off. Okay. So okay, Eileen's the one who was on the side of the road. And she had the curly hair. Okay. So Becky. Becky is the one who was wearing the striped crop top. With the shorts. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to see which kill was Becky, though. Uh, anyway, the reason why I want to bring up the character Becky, that's that was played by Tanya Roberts, who played Midge in that 70s show. Oh. Which I was just like, holy shit. What the fuck? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Midge also played a Bond girl. I don't remember which Bond, but she did play a, a Bond girl as well. Um, okay, and the scarf... Elaine is wearing strangles her death. Okay, so Eileen's the one who gets strangled. So then Becky must be the one. Let me see. Da, 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 da. Becky's in the house and finds a mannequin resembling Eileen. She's attacked. Da, da, da. She's later tied to the basement. The killer brother. The, oh, captive Tina. Traveler trapped her down. Okay, so Becky's the one who gets the plaster on the face. The one who dies of her heart exploding. Okay. Okay. So the reason why I want to bring that up is I really like that death. <laughs> Why? Because it was so fucking creepy. How he was like, he was like the pl- like he's like the plaster won't kill you. You you know you, you'll su- you you'll lose air, but you won't suffocate enough time before your heart explodes. It was like so fucking creepy. How he was just like like pacing off his yeah like all that kind of shit. Right? She did not. She's not the one who got the plaster on her face. Yeah, she's killed by. The, let me see. Uh, also held captive and another traveler trapped at the table. Uh, she's killed by the masked man, Jerry Phil Street. So, how'd she die? Becky leaves the house and finds a mannequin resembling Eileen. Eileen's the one who gets choked out. She's attacked by the masked killer and multiple mannequins. She later wakes up tied to the basement with Jerry. Oh, okay, so she's the one. She's the one that kept getting free with Jerry. Okay, so yeah, that's the one. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, so yeah, that's the one. So, Tina, Tina is the one with the, the plaster mm-hmm. on her face. Okay, okay, remind me how did. Uh, okay. So that means that how did how did she die? How did I Becky die? I don't remember because I know that she was doing a lot of running too, but Molly was the last one. Yeah, Molly. Because she got away. So who's the one that drowned? I think that was Becky. I think that was Becky. Becky's the one who drowned. Molly was the one who was constantly being tortured. Mm-hmm. Um. So now that we got now we got we got our ducks in a row. Who uh-huh. died and how they died and stuff like that. Um. Did you see that twist coming? That the fact that they were the same person. No. You didn't see that coming, huh? No, I didn't. 
because I kind of took his word for it. I knew there was something wrong. Mm-hmm. I I kind of thought first I was like maybe he is telling the truth that his brother took off. Yeah. Then for then I was like, well, there is something odd about him. So maybe mm. it's like a situation like in um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something mm. where like some of the family doesn't look as crazy as the rest. So yeah, they're crazy, but they're not working like, with them. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. They're lying or whatever. So I thought maybe he was just lo- like helping lure these kids, mm-hmm. and then then that's why I was able to get past me. Yeah, I think the thing that threw me off was like the voice. Oh yeah, because he has a great fucking scary voice. Yeah, because he has like these two voices. Like one is this very like southern, almost like not high pitched, but very up voice, and like the, a regular normal voice. Yeah, and then the alter ego is very like gravelly, gravelly and dark, and mm, like like sling bag, like kind of talk <laughs> like that type of stuff, right? Um, you so should, you should give everyone your Skeletor voice. <laughs> what's my Skeletor voice? Yeah, yeah, huh? that one. there. <laughs> I did it. Nah, see, I hate you. <laughs> he man. <laughs> nah, sound like a gangster. You're from the 1930s. I know. Now nah, I'm a gangster. He man. Nah. <laughs> I shall take over Eternia. Nah. <laughs> Fuck you, he man. <laughs> um. So okay, so another reason why I actually liked it, the telekinesis part of it is how the dude is really using it to like torture these people and more specifically to torture molly um like there's a great part where it seems like jerry is alive and he like comes back with an axe and everything like that and you know jerry's like where's the other girls and stuff like that molly's like come on let's go no where's the other girls and they come to find out uh jerry just is just another mannequin he like pops his arm off and stuff like that Uh uh-huh like I thought that was great. I didn't. Well, I didn't see that coming. I, I actually thought that part was fucking great. How he was like his telekinesis is so good is that he convinced Molly that Jerry was real, after all. Oh my god! I'm over here geeking out the fact that Tanya Roberts was a fucking oh my god Charlie's angel. <laughs> um, did you know that John Carpenter was supposed to direct this movie. I think it would have been a better movie. It would have, but... Uh, uh, what's the homeboy's name? Um, Daniel Schlomer? Schmoller. Schmoller. Um, like he couldn't afford... He couldn't afford John Carpenter, so he's like, all right, I'll direct it myself. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this, I mean, this is through IMDb. So take us what you will. This is considered the only 70s slasher film that's rated PG. Really? Yeah, because if you think about it, there's no blood. The the, the kill- Also, there's no rape scene, which you kind of expect there to be one. And a lot of the deaths are more implied. You know, like, like-, like the... the- the drowning, she goes underwater and then they mm-hmm. cut away. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, and, and the reason why it's PG is because at the time, the, the rating of PG-13 was not there yet. So if it was, it would have been considered PG-13. But it has a... It, it's... Um, if you look at IMDb, its rating is PG. <laughs> I mean, my kids could watch it. I'd be fine with it. I think if your kids watch it, I think if the girls watch it, they would just laugh. I think Cadence did sit and watch some of it with me. Was she bored? Kinda. Mm. She's like, this movie's not good. <laughs> <laughs> but she's actually pretty good at uh, judging movies. 
I like the tagline. It's so simple. Every year, young girls disappear. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um. So David Schmoller. 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 He did say he did contribute that the poor uh, box office for or the poor receiving of like critics and money, whatever box office for this movie. He did. He did believe that that was caused to the fact that it was PG and it, he, he felt it would have been a, a commercial successful film if it was rated R, even though like. But why didn't he make it rated R? Um, let me see. I want to see why. Like well one well for one in the original script there was a scene where the girls were going to be nude, um, but the director was a bit too bashful and shy or embarrassed to ask you know ask these actresses to be naked and when he actually did do it they were like nah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it said the film holds a distinction of being one of the few slasher films in horror film history. To receive a PG PG rating as a PG thirteen rating wouldn't exist for another five years. Um. Yeah, I mean, like, I I guess because I guess because the director was like, you know, I'm gonna make it like scary, but like I don't need blood to do it. But then he needed blood to do it to make it scarier. <laughs> to actually, make it scary. Like, there's a no point. I was scared. if anything, I was more just intrigued. I was just like. Because to me, it was just bad. It was just like, to me, I felt it was good bad. You know? Like, you can you can literally see the strings with, like, some of the, like, the objects that are floating across and shit like that. You know how I took the, the hmm. scene where he's putting that plaster on her face and you're like, oh, I like that scene. Mm-hmm. I'm like, the only reason why he's even narrating this at all is because they don't have the budget to make the effects. Yes. So that you would know what was happening to her and it just looks like they're putting fluff on her face. And the funny thing is they did have the budget. Did they? Eight hundred thousand. That's a lot in that time's money. It's it's a, suppose it's eight hundred thousand. I'm not one hundred percent sure, but like if it's that much, like yo, where the fuck that money went? Also, you probably could have afforded John Carpenter or somebody competent. <laughs> Seriously. Um. <laughs> so, even though the directing is bad, the acting is bad. Like I, I enjoyed this movie. This movie does not hold up at all. Nope. It doesn't you hold up. You don't even have to ask. Me. I don't even have to ask you. It doesn't hold up. It fucking um uh oh I just missed it. Uh the the guys from Rift Track, um Mike Mike J Mike J. Nelson, Bill Colbert, and Kevin Murphy, those are the uh some of the original people of MST uh, Mr. Science Theater three thousand. Uh-huh. They've actually uh for the Rift Track that they that they do now that's not that's different from MST3K. They actually did a riff track of this movie. <laughs> I really want to watch it now. I want to hear like the jokes they got for this movie. Mm. I'm sure they'd be entertaining as fuck. You know the one girl um, with the curly hair, the one that was waiting by the road. Uh yeah, Eileen. She reminds me of like the a young um, what's her name? The one who was in Beetlejuice. Winona Ryder. No. Uh, Catherine O'Hara. That's the mother. No, the um. Gina Davis. Yeah, really. Her name was Gina, but. Uh, I don't know. I don't there was like a, a face she made. I was like, oh, she kind of looks like her a little bit. Maybe it's like Gina Davis's sister, Tina Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Rena. Rena Davis. <laughs> Lena. Lena for Eileen. 
No, Lena. Okay. Anything else for this movie? Stop it. I already know you're going to say another name. <laughs> Mina. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing else. else? Okay. <laughs> All right. So that's going to be it for show this week. We want to thank, <laughs> thank, thank the folks. Um, Lena. Will you stop it? <laughs> we want to thank you for joining us for this week's episode. We especially <laughs> like to thank the folks over at Your Entertainment Corner for hosting this podcast. Whose daughter actually is Mina. Uh, on this website. <laughs> I'm just going to power through it. Uh, where Kelsey writes for. <laughs> or writes at. Sorry. Uh, so all your film news, stop it. TV news and reviews, stop it. Go to yourentertainmentcorner.com. Stop it. <laughs> and you can find this podcast on all podcast catchers. or all over the place. Blah, blah, blah. Kelsey, stop it. <laughs> um, Dina. Fuck. So next week's episode... Uh, we're going to be reviewing Deep Water, uh, the Adrian <gasps> Lynn film, film that's currently streaming on Hulu. Uh, we're hearing it's bad, but like bad good. So that's why we're going we're gonna to talk about it. Zena. <sighs> so for a geriatric cinematic, <laughs> we got to make a decision right now. We're going to do it. We already made this three times. What, what, what are we doing? Are we doing body double or basic instinct? Which one do you want to do? Originally, you said body double. I tried yeah. to convince you basic instinct, and then we flipped and said basic instinct. But. Then you wanted to do body double. So we'll do body double. Okay. Body double. Okay. So to pair up with Deep, deep Water, our geriatric cinematic will be 1984's Body Double, directed by Brian De Palma. Uh. Body Double is available to rent on uh, Amazon, Apple TV, YouTube, and other VOD services. Uh, (laughs) The topic for that week, women, am I right? (laughs) (sighs) I'm surprised. You're surprised about what? That you still use that for the topic. Women, am I right? I think it's fucking hilarious. It is. That's why I was like, we should use it as a title. As a title? Yeah. Nah. You, look, you're creative. You'll come up with something good. And if you don't, you're fired. 